come and do that very thing, Lord, to worship you, to sing, and to, uh, to give you all the praise and honor and glory you certainly deserve. And I pray right now you accept our worship. We pray it be a, a, a sacrifice, Lord, that it's, that's sweet for, for you to this morning. Lord, I pray for Brother Terrell as he comes a little later to preach the word of God to use him in a mighty way. And Lord, if there would be one, if there would be one person here today who's never trusted you as their personal Savior, I pray today they'd get that uh, settled for their eternity, Lord, right here in this place today. Lord, for your Christians, for your believers, so Lord, I pray they'd be edified, encouraged, maybe even challenged and changed, and we'd leave this place different than we came in with you receiving all glory, praise, and honor for it all. So accept our worship and our, our praise now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Glad to see each and every one out. Uh, please stand as we sing. And uh, not only sing, but sing out. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood.
you were singing. You may be seated. Wave to someone around you at this time. So, Lord, all right. We got a couple things we want to do this morning. And uh, you got how many of you got a bulletin? I don't. So you read it, and that'll be tell you what's going on. Amen. So you can read that this morning. Uh, real quick, uh, something to read to you here from Miss Shirley and her family. Uh, Pastor Mike, Victory Way Baptist Church, thanks so much for the beautiful service and flowers for Willis' funeral. Thanks to those who were responsible for the great music and for those who prepared and served the meal for the family and friends. We appreciate so much the visits and prayers during Willis's illness and, and for the comforting words of love, concern, and encouragement. Love from Miss Shirley. And so we want to read that to you. Then we're also this morning going to recognize some graduates. And uh, uh, how many of you are thankful that some people actually graduate? <laughs> I'm going to do that one day. I'm just kidding. Uh, so we have some folks that uh, they graduated this year and that we got that signed up on the list. And I want to get them, bring them all on up here. How about that? We'll just start with that. Brady, get on up here. Where's Brady? All right. Is he here? Mr. Will, you here? I saw him come in. Miss Emily, did Miss Emily make it today? All right, don't think so. How about Wesley? I saw him earlier. And Mr. Kevin, where is he hiding at? He's not here yet? Ah, oh, he's skipping out on me because he didn't want to do this. <laughs> All right, well, let's get, we're going to recognize some of these, Will and Brady. All right, so Mr. Brady Dalton, he graduated from driving school. I mean, uh, high school, I'm sorry. <laughs> He hasn't graduated from driving school. I got a little ahead of myself there. He's still working on that. Uh, now, Brady, real quick, buddy, tell us what your next plans are. Uh, where, where are you heading next? I'm going to UVA Wise. I know I'm playing football right now. That's about it. I don't. Know. You have to go to class too. Yeah. <laughs> still figuring that one out. All right, Dad. I have to go to class. All right, Mr. Wesley, how are you doing, sir? Tell us what you're doing, where you're heading next, and what your plans are. I'm going to go to college for uh, architectural design. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Architectural design. So you'll build all the stuff that I'll break. Amen. All right, Mr. Will. He's getting shorter all the time. He'll, uh, what in the world? All these. I'm wearing boots, too. And uh, Will, let me hand that to you. And he graduated from high school or kindergarten? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he graduated from high school as Will. Will, tell us where you're heading next, what you're doing. I'm headed to Whitfield. I'm probably going to get a CDL. Um, drive locally. So, awesome. Drive. We need some more drivers. Amen. And some of the ones that are on the road need to get off the road, and we need to get some new ones. And uh, so thankful the Lord's still raising them up. That's for sure. And uh, so, so you guys, listen, not only is it a wonderful accomplishment what they've done in graduating, but this is, this is our future, and I'm thankful our future is pretty bright. Uh, I got a challenge in each of your cards I wrote. Uh, listen. Whatever you do, wherever the Lord takes you in life, make sure you serve him and put him first. Amen. I'll give them a hand. Amen. God bless. All right. Before we enter, have our special and then enter our worshipful time of service, just want to just have prayer for a moment. And here's what I want to invite you to do right there in your seats. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being with us. And I know they work hard to give out guest cards on the way in. Sometimes they miss somebody. Uh, and then we dock their pay, and it's all, it all works out good. And 
and I really don't want to pay them. So somebody raised their hand told me they missed you today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but if you got a guest card, here's what I want you to do. A little later, on your way out the door, uh, there's, some, there's our giving boxes at each door. That's the way we do it here. And, and you can put that in there as a record of you being with us, your, your, your guest card. And we're thankful you're with us today. Uh, but, but one of the things we do is right before we kind of enter more of a worshipful time here, getting ready, preparing our hearts for the Word of God, uh, is just spend a moment. Everyone in their pews privately, just, you know, you know your greatest. How many of you got a need on your heart? Uh, and everybody does, right? Not only your need, how about you know a brother or sister that have a need? Let's spend a moment or two, and let's just lift that up in the privacy of some time of worship. And then just spend a little time also, not only praying, but a little time in worship, thanking God for who he is. And, and then I'll close this in prayer, and we'll continue our service. Lord, today in this place, there's so many needs represented, Lord. Thinking of brothers and sisters here in this place, Lord, just this past week, and three, three directly related folks to the church, Lord, with funerals and lost loved ones that passed on, and praying for comfort and healing that can only come from the God of heaven, and we're praying that you do that and start that process now, and those that are grieving. Lord, there's lots of sickness. We continue to lift up those that are sick, and thank you for being our Jehovah Rapha, our, our healer, Lord. We're thankful we can call on you as our healer this morning and ask you to work in each of those situations and lives. And those that are recovering from surgery last week, Lord, thinking of several of those, Lord, that aren't with us maybe this morning but or maybe watching by live stream, we just want to lift them up to you as well for continued healing, Lord. And But, Lord, we're also here because we just need a fresh touch from you. Lord, we need to hear your words, your your the words of your, your Holy Bible, Lord, the Scriptures, your words proclaimed into our lives. And, and, Lord, we need to receive those and allow, Lord, your Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and change us, challenge us, mold us, make us, conform us into your image, we pray. So, Lord, as we turn the rest of the service over, now focus on what you have for us today. Lord, we just pray that, again, you can sit, continue to receive our praises and worship, but but, Lord, also that you just have free reign to speak to every heart and every life represented in this room today. We'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it in Christ's name. Amen.
Please stand as we sing our last worshipful song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. 
Amen. I felt something on that. Did you? Amen. That was good. Amen. I do appreciate that. And I appreciate Pastor Mike asking me to come and be part of your service again today. I do thank the Lord for allowing me to be part of Victory Way Baptist Church. And uh, my family's not here because my home church is honoring our graduates today. And, and thank God I got both of mine graduated finally. Amen. And uh, my son, Hunter, he graduated, uh, supposed to graduate this year, but uh, he wasn't able to attend his graduation because of sickness, but uh, they're honoring our graduates today, and I do appreciate the Lord uh, allowing me to be able to see both my children graduate. Now we just got to get through college. Amen. And so uh, do help us pray about that, 
and I uh, do thank the Lord for us to be here. And as some of you may have already known, some of you may not know this as of yet, but um, I was preaching a revival meeting last month in the state of Alabama, and and as I was preaching, the Lord was just moving into service. All the services were going good. Pastor Mike had a young person say, by the grace of God on Sunday, the Lord just really moved in the scene and had great services every night. But on Wednesday night, I got up there and started to preach. And uh, people had already been standing up testifying and talking about the goodness of God. And people were already on the altar crying and praying and thanking God for their life and thanking God for salvation. And I got up and was getting ready to preach. And I opened up my Bible. And that's all I could do. You ever been there? You ever been there? Anybody that preaches ever been there before? I mean, I got behind, I had the message ready. I was ready to rear back and let her fly for the glory of God. But then all of a sudden, God said, stop. And that was the first time in 26 years that I've ever been preachless. I've never been preachless before, but that night I was. And uh, I mean, I had the outline all ready to go. And the and, uh, Lord said, I want you to talk about surrender. I said, okay. And so I just started talking about surrendering, preacher, from, from my heart. I just talk, started talking about surrendering. Well, before I knew it, here come people on the altar again and started surrendering their life to Christ, maybe to be a better soul winner, maybe to be a, a, a better a witness for the Lord, pass out more gospel tracts, you know, the usual thing. But then all of a sudden, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, as this, as this lady was testifying, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, I saw a young man come up and hit the altar. Then I saw the pastor of the church kneel beside him. And um, after that young lady got through testifying, I turned to my left, and that young man stood up and motioned for me to come over there. I went over to where this young man was, and the pastor said, this young man has something he wants to tell you in the church. I said, okay, what is it? That young man looked at me and he said, Daddy, God's called me to preach. Amen? He said, Daddy, God has called me to preach. And so... Uh, about a month ago, my son, Hunter, at the age of 17 years old, surrendered a call to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, so you could probably say I'm pretty proud right now, amen? I really am, and, uh, and do be praying for Hunter. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe he's preaching here tonight. He's going to be here tonight preaching, so uh, I'll get to sit back and listen to him, and so y'all pray for him. Come out and support him if you can, and uh, uh, I'll tell you what happened. It was about a week after he surrendered to call to preach, he uh, got to preach at my home church over in Elkin, and he did a fantastic job, and I got to looking after the service. There were people, Brother Mike, lined up from that banner, all the way to the community table for them to sign his Bible. I got jealous. I said, I've been preaching 26 years. I've had maybe signed five Bibles in my life. Amen. But he, he had people all the way lined up. And then I preached that morning and got a, you know, I mean, the Lord really blessed, and then that night he... He took everybody out to eat, let me put it that way, amen? And so, uh, but Hunter is a blessing, do be praying for him. Uh, like I said, he's done preach, I know, at least four different times in different churches, already getting calls left and right. He and I are scheduled to preach in a camp meeting this week over in Danville, Virginia on Tuesday, but uh, our schedule's not going to allow us to do that, but do help us pray. And then um, also help me pray, uh, Brother Danny asked me about uh, traveling overseas. I'll be going to the country of Nigeria in August, so help us pray about that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that meeting there as well, and I've already got, got, got the schedule lined out. I've got Nigeria on the books, preacher, and then all of a sudden, uh, then Uganda's coming up in October, and then Lord willing, next February, going to Cebu, Philippines, and so help us pray about that. Now, you say, some of you who may not know who I am, well, they call me Tater Man. 
You can laugh about that if you want to. But uh, they call me the Tater Man because our very first lesson we teach in the classes all across America and around the world is based on taterology. And we talk about the different sizes, different shapes, different colors of the potato. And brother, we need that this day and hour. Come on now, amen. Because hey, it's not about race, it's about God's grace. It's not about skin, it's about sin. That's what it's all about, friend. And so uh, uh, that's what they call me everywhere I go. But I'm a missionary with the Rock of Ages and um, been there for 12 years, going on 13 now. And uh, we travel the world and reach young people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was one of the best Sunday school lessons I have heard in a long time. I'm not saying it because the pastor's sitting on the front row either, amen. I'm saying it because I mean it. I preach in churches all across America and around the world, and that was one of the best Sunday school lessons I've ever heard in my life. And when he said something about showing football in church, brother, I went to a church uh, a few years ago. I used to preach revival meeting then, and of course they've changed a lot, and they don't get me back now. Don't know why, but anyway. Um, <laughs> during, the, um, during the intermission, when people were shaking hands, they had monitors all over the, all over the uh, church. Had two B-screen TVs behind me. Guess what they were showing? The championship football game between their state and another state. Between their college state and another college state. And they did that during the intermission. You said, what'd you do? I got mad. Amen? I did. And then, uh, instead of playing something on the piano when we were shaking hands, you know what they were playing? Sweet Home Alabama. And then, when they, instead of saying... If, they, if I said something that they agreed with, instead of saying amen, they said roll tide. I don't have to tell you where I was at, do I, amen? <laughs> and that is my favorite college football team, but I mean, there's a time and place for everything, amen. Amen. Say it again, amen. Amen, thank you. And so, uh, yeah, the preacher said that, and that kind of brought my memory back to that. You say, have you been back since then? Nope, I haven't. I don't know if they made me mad or I got mad, but they ain't got me back. Amen. But anyway, I do thank the Lord for allowing us to be here today. Book of Acts, chapter number 24 this morning. The book of Acts, and chapter number 24. I saw Brother uh, J.L. putting something in the box up here. I asked Brother Mike, I said, is he paying you to let him sing? <laughs> Amen. He's, he's a good singer. I appreciate that, Brother and, and Sister Pratt and Brother Hunter. God bless you guys. I do appreciate that. That song is a blessing to me. All right, Acts chapter number 24. I want to begin reading today in verse number 24, and we go all the way down through the end of the chapter, which is verse number 27. The book of Acts chapter 24, the Word of God says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, and uh, I have to stop right there. Every time I see that word Drusilla, I think of Cruella de Vil. You could tell I minister to young people, can't you? Amen? Yeah. I, I think there's a movie that just come out about that, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, uh, maybe, maybe Drusilla acted like Cruella. Who knows? But anyway, um, with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore he sent for them the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcus Festus, or however you say it, Porcus Festus, Porcus, it sounds like Porky Pig, don't it, amen? 
Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. And so I'm going to read for the sake of time this morning. May God add his blessings to the reading of the Word of God here today. Words. Words have great meaning. Did you know that words also possess great power? It's the power of words that can cause things to happen. It's the power of words that can cause things not to happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, the power of words, wars have been waged and peace has been broken all through the power of words. Hope has been bolstered and dreams have been shattered. Just by saying a few words. Words are very powerful to say. The power of words can sometimes make the world go round or sometimes make the world stop. As a matter of fact, uh, let me put it like this. Families have begun and families have all ended because of a power, just the power of a few words. I've seen families come together because of words that were spoken Maybe words of apology. Maybe words of saying, I'm sorry. I've seen families broken up because words cut deep and words hurt. And I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but it's good for your cholesterol. You know the most dangerous thing in our body is the tongue. Let me say it again. The most powerful weapon that you and I have upon our body today is that thing that lies between our teeth, which is our tongue. Words can cut and words can cut deep. Words can mend broken hearts and words can break hearts. It was the power of a few words that inspired Germans to follow a madman by the name of Adolf Hitler into a very costly war. I mean, if you've not watched any footage of Adolf Hitler, you can see that man had power when he spoke those words. The words he spoke had power. No, there wasn't the words of God, but there was the words of the dirty, rotten devil. He preached the message, all right, and it wasn't a message of love, but rather it was a message of hate. And because of the words that he spoke, he had such a great following of people. And many a Jew and other people died because of all of that. The power of words, because of words, wars have ceased to be fought, and wars have also started. It was the words that inspired the collapse of the communist system in what is known as the former Soviet Union. And whether we say it or not, my friend, words hold tremendous power over your life and mine. Let me say it again. Words hold tremendous power over all of our daily lives, whether we realize it or not. I mean, I could say something right now and make you laugh. I could say something right now and make you cry. I could say something right now and make you mad. Because the power of words. The Bible is full of statements regarding words and their power. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 2, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Twice right there it talks about the words of thy mouth. And brother, it's often been said like this. When God says something one time, you ought to pay attention. When he says something more than one time, you better pay real close attention. The words of thy mouth. 
Churches have busted up over words. Churches have come together because of words. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5, verse number 3. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by, by the multitude of words. Matthew chapter number 12, verse 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. That's why, how many has ever heard of that former evangelist by the name of Billy Sunday? Uh, yeah, great, great man of God. He, was, he used to play for the Chicago White Stockings. That's what they called him back in the day. He would run the bases barefooted, brother. He was, he was that good. He was that fast. And he was uh, one, of the, one of the baseball greats. But Billy Sunday, he went to Pacific Garden Missions. Hallelujah. At Pacific Garden Missions and got saved by the grace of God. That's where Unshackled got started, by the way. That's where my story is there at right now, amen. Unshackled. But he went there and he got saved by the grace of God. He became a fireball of a preacher. He became a great evangelist. But you know what they said of him? They said outside of the pulpit, Billy Sunday would hardly speak a word. Not because he was stuck up. Not because he thought he was better than anybody else. Because he believed what the Bible said. That every, that every idle word man shall give an account of. He said, that's why I don't talk a whole lot outside the pulpit, because I know I've got to give an account for every word that I say. What a sovereign thought. If we would think about it, child of God, or if you're not a child of God, if we would think about it today, hey, we're going to give an account for every word that we speak. According to the word of God. John chapter 12, verse 48 says, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so, as we bring all this together, we find here that uh, words are extremely important. And our text today speaks of a man who experienced firsthand the power of words. His name is Felix. Felix, the Roman governor of Judea, is listening to the Apostle Paul preach concerning the Christian faith. And brother, it's like this. Me and brother wrote, as we were talking earlier, if there was ever a powerful preacher in the Word of God, it was none other than the Apostle Paul. And when that man preached, that man preached with power, and he preached with grace, he preached with the awesome hand of God upon him, and he preached the, God, he preached the Word of God, amen, with the power of God. He preached, and Felix was listening to the Apostle Paul preach these words concerning the Christian faith. And as Paul preached the gospel, Felix was moved by the words that he heard. You go back and look at it. The Bible says that he was, he was literally moved, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, by the words that he heard. So this morning, with the help of the sweet Lord, I want to look into this scene here. I want us to use our imagination. Don't you go with me to the palace. Go with me right now to the palace in Caesarea and listen as Paul preaches to Felix. Let's listen to the words Paul used that were so full of meaning then and realize that the words that Paul used back then are just as full of meaning today as they were back then. Just as they had a message for Felix over 2,000 years ago, look up here this morning, they still have a powerful message for you and I who are sitting here today. Especially if you've never been saved by the grace of God. And with that being said, I want to look together on the thought, the power of words. 
I want to preach on the subject today, the power of words. What can words do? What did words do to this man by the name of Felix? What did they, how did they affect him? It may be that these few words will come with a message to your heart from Almighty God this morning, but whatever the case may be, let's look at this thought this morning, the power of words. Let's notice the reasons why these words were so powerful in this man's life. First of all, we see that they were powerful, number one, because some of these words confronted him. The words that the Apostle Paul preached, Brother J.L., confronted Felix. They confronted this man. The Bible tells us that Paul reasoned with Felix and his wife Drusilla. The word reason means to mingle thought with thought. It means to discuss. It means to just go ahead and rear back and preach. That's what this word means. And Paul used his time with the governor to declare unto him the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, this seems to be the reason Paul was sent for anyway back in verse number 24. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. He heard the words that Paul was preaching. And it confronted him. It confronted him head on, amen? And as Paul preached, two areas of his life, or his sermon rather, served as a direct confrontation to the life of Felix. Uh, the Apostle Paul preached about righteousness. This word means the state of him who is as he ought to be. It refers to the state of being right. It is what God is. Amen. I said righteousness this morning is exactly what God is. God is holy and God is righteous. Amen. You're not, but he is. And Paul was telling Felix, hey, we serve a God in heaven who's a righteous God. It literally speaks of a state of moral and spiritual purity. And I think Paul, he preached about the righteousness of God. And Ezra 9.15 says it like this, O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous. Psalm chapter 50, verse number 6, And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. You know what that word Selah means? It simply means this, what you think about that, amen? That's what it means, amen? What you think about it, amen? That's what Selah means in good old country boy language. He said that uh, the heavens shall declare God's righteousness, for God has judged himself. Then 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Friend, let me put it like this. God is not the man upstairs. Hello? I say God is not the man upstairs. God is a God of righteousness. God is holy and God is true. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. He is the God of Israel. He is the God of Walter Tull. Amen. I thank God. He's not just a man upstairs. He's almighty God. And he is powerful. And he is righteous. He is holy, righteous. He's almighty God. He is so holy and righteous that he cannot even look upon sin. Man who is altogether sinful cannot enter into his presence in his own goodness or upon his own merit. God is righteous. And oh, my friend, that the church of the living God and that the world could see the truth today that God is holy and God is righteous. And I believe that's exactly what Paul was telling Felix in those powerful words this morning. And that's what confronted him head on. Hey, Felix, God is righteous. 
I think Paul preached about the facts that this righteous God hated sin. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What man calls an accident, God calls an abomination. Come on. I said, what man calls an accident, God calls abomination. What man calls a blunder, God calls a blindness. What man calls chance, God calls choice. What man calls a disease, God calls a defect. What man calls error, God calls enmity. Man calls sin a trifle, God calls sin a tragedy. Man said it is nothing but weakness. God says it is wickedness. Huh? Come on. And the bottom line is this, friend. God is holy. Man is unholy. God is pure. Man is impure. God is sinless. Man is sinful. God is righteous. Man is unrighteous. I think Paul, he pointed out the truth that man is a sinner and he stands condemned in the eyes of a righteous God. And perhaps Paul told Felix all about the unrighteousness of man. He might have said, Isaiah 64, 6, uh, but we as all as an unclean thing, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Maybe Paul quoted Romans 3, 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And perhaps Felix has brought face to face with the fact that he's a lost sinner in need of a Savior. For all have sinned. Look up here. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a one in this room this morning who's not fallen short of God's glory. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Amen. Aren't you glad for God's salvation? Aren't you glad that somebody took the time to share with you the power of the Word of God and you got saved by the grace of God? And if you're not saved, can I say you can be before this service is over? The power of a few words. He is made painfully aware that no man has the righteousness needed to stand before the presence of a holy, righteous God. None of us do. I think Paul told Felix that he could try to go to heaven one of two ways. Hey, Felix, listen to me. You can go through your own righteousness, or you can go through the righteousness of God. Paul no doubt told Felix that God's requirement for entering heaven would be perfect righteousness. Perhaps he heard the truth that a lost sinner could be made righteous through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And that's the only way, amen? Maybe Paul told him that uh, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone that believeth. Romans 10.4. I say 10.4 to that, Amen. Maybe Paul told Felix how God bridged the gap between uh, 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 his own holiness and man's sinfulness through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Paul built the case that only the righteous would ever see God and that the only way to become righteous was through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. However, he won those things. I'm telling you, friend, uh, Felix was confronted with the words of the Apostle Paul. And how these words must have touched the heart of Felix. Because he was anything but righteous. As a matter of fact, let me put it like this. Felix was noted in his day for excessively living sinful. And that's saying a lot in the days of ancient Rome. 
He engaged in drunkenness and he maintained power through brutality and murder. He was a very wicked man. And maybe these words are speaking to your heart today. None of us will ever get to heaven unless we possess the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can only get that way by faith and trust in Him. We are told that Paul preached about temperance as well. This word temperance has to do with self-control. When Paul preached about righteousness, he was dealing with their character. He was talking about who they were before God. And when he speaks of the temperance, he is talking about their conduct or how they live before men. And when Paul began to speak of self-control, he hits this couple right between the eyeballs. Amen? <coughs> when Paul began to talk about temperance, he hit Felix and Drusilla right between their God-given eyeball. He did. You say, what do you mean, Brother Walter? Well, it's like this. Just as Felix was lacking in the righteousness department, he was also lacking in self-control. You know the word Felix actually means happy? It actually means happy, but this man was all but happy. He was not happy. I mean, you think about it. He'd been married three times. <laughs> According to history, He'd been married three times. He lived a life of constant uh, parties and, and sinful living. He was always in deep debt. He was in perpetual trouble with the emperor by the name of Nero. Hey, that wouldn't make you happy. I've never met anybody who's been in deep debt that's been happy. Have you? He wasn't. <clears throat> well, to put things lightly, Nero brought Felix in for being too mean. That's saying a lot. Especially when the emperor brings you in for being too mean, amen? <laughs> well, he, and then of course his wife Drusilla, she was a very beautiful Jewish woman, and when Felix saw her, he had her sorcerer to entice her to leave her husband and marry him, and she did this, and so together they, li they lived a life of open sin and terrible wickedness. And Paul's words must have stung that couple deeply. You see, it was a power of a few words that confronted Felix, but also Drusilla. Words are very powerful. And the word that you and I give to the lost world should be that of the Word of God. <clears throat> Not only do we find that those words confronted him, but secondly, we find this. Those words also concerned him. They were concerning to Felix. We are told that Paul preached to them about the judgment to come. Verse 25, and he, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. That concerned Felix. He told Felix and Drusilla there was coming a day when they would face this righteous, sin-hating God in judgment if he did not repent. He probably told them that the wages of sin is death. He probably told him about the unquenchable fire in hell. He probably told him about the memory and the remorse that people have in hell. He probably told him 
the intense, unsatisfied thirst in hell. He probably told them about the misery and the pain, the frustration and the anger. He probably told them, Pastor, of the eternal separation from God. He probably told them about the undiluted wrath that God is going to pour out on hell one of these days. You see, friend of mine, when a person dies and goes to hell, that's not the end. That's only the beginning. Because the Word of God says, and death in hell were delivered up and they were cast into the lake of fire. You see, friend of mine, hell is the holding place. Lake of fire is the prison. Hell is the jail cell. Lake of fire is the permanent prison. And he probably told Felix, and he probably told Drusilla, that God's wrath someday is going to be poured out if they do not get saved by the grace of God. Powerful words. But you know what, preacher? Back in those days... It concerned people. These days, people ain't concerned about hell. These days, people don't tremble at the very thought that they could close their eyes in death tonight and wake up in hell tomorrow. Why is that? I don't know. I could say a bazillion things. Hollywood, sin, I, let's just go ahead and say it. It is sin. Amen. People's hearts have gotten so, so hardened these days that it's pathetic. It would do a lot of you good to turn off the TV and get in the Word of God. It would do a lot of us good to turn off Fox News and CNN and Newsmax and all that other stuff and get in the Word of God and get our concern back for people that's dying and going to hell. It would do those who are lost without God to turn all that mess off and get concerned that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And Paul preached some powerful words that concerned Felix. It confronted Felix. No doubt that when he told them about a day when all sinners would stand before God and be judged and cast... For they'll be judged for their sins and cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says Felix trembled. Look at verse 25. Felix, the Bible says, and he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix trembled. He trembled at the very thought of going to hell. He trembled at the very thought of the words that this man of God was preaching. Whatever it was that Felix heard, it made him tremble. And that word means to throw into fear, to become terrified. How many of you have ever been terrified before? Brother, I'm going to tell you something. If you've never ridden on, a, ridden on a big jet plane, and you drop a thousand feet, and everybody in their cabin starts screaming and the lights go out, you'll get right with God real quick. <laughs> How do you know, Brother Walter? I know I've done that. I wasn't even saved, brother, the first time I flew. 
I flew from Greensboro, North Carolina to Louisville, Kentucky. That's not a, that's not a very far flight, but it is for anybody you know, flying for the first time. I was 19, no, I was 17 years old. I had dropped out of high school and moved out on my own. Now listen, don't judge me because I went back and got my GED, amen? So don't you drop out of school. <coughs> Thank God for these, uh, you honored this morning for graduation, amen, I give them a hand. But uh, the first time I flew preacher, I was on a Delta. And uh, I, I was 17 years old. And I had long black hair then. I had a big old cowboy hat. I weighed 140 pounds. 40 pounds of it was hair and hat. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I got on that plane, brother. We got to fly. And I thought, man, this is awesome. This is great. This is cool. And uh, before I knew it, uh, we was up in the air. I forget how many thousands of feet. And brother, we was flying. And everything was going along great. All of a sudden, the plane started shaking a little bit. And the next thing I know, the lights in the cabin went out. We dropped, shoot, just like that. He said, what happened? I had to reach up and grab my cowboy hat, amen? Because it was still hovering in the air. That's how fast we dropped. And uh, everybody was screaming and crying, and I saw my life flash before my very eyes. You know what I did? I started praying, amen? My prayer didn't go no higher than the roof of that airplane, but at least I started praying. But I said, I'd like to say this, hey, if you've never feared and trembled before, Maybe God has to do something to get your attention. It could be something like that. I mean, I don't know. That didn't get my attention to be saved. Some other things did later on down the road. But friend, we need to get back to the point where we fear and tremble about the thoughts of going to hell. When's the last time you shared the Word of God with somebody and they trembled at the very words you spoke? When's the last time that uh, we shared the Word of God and they begin to cry and begin to weep and begin to say, I don't want to go to hell? When's the last time we got such a burden that we ourselves who are saved by the grace of God that we trembled at the thought of our own loved ones going to hell? Power of a few words. I believe that once we find that Felix was, the Bible said he trembled, I think for the first time Felix understood the truth that he was a lost sinner abiding under the wrath of our holy and righteous God. I think he came to see that he was in serious trouble with Almighty God. And friend of mine, look up here. God is more than a figment of our imagination. He's not the man upstairs. He's not a tooth fairy. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And friend of mine, look up here. If you don't get saved by the grace of God, you will face His wrath one day. And I beg you, don't. I beg you this morning to get saved before it's everlasting too late. The power of a few words. It confronted Felix. Head on. It concerned Felix. In his heart. The power of a few words. Did all this to him. What's it doing to you? How does it make you feel when you hear about the righteousness, temperance, and judgment of God? Does it cause you to tremble in the presence of God? Do you sit there fully aware of the fact that you are lost and headed to hell? If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if so, then friend of mine, listen to me. Take heart. 
Take heart to what this, what this 50-year-old preacher is telling you this morning. The words I speak are truth from the Word of God. He can save you from your sins and deliver you from a Christless eternity. It is He and He alone that can only take you to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. The power of those words ought to make you tremble this morning if you've never been saved by the grace of God. Last of all today, the power of these words Paul preached to Felix confronted him. The power of these words Paul preached to Felix, they they uh, concerned him. But last of all, the power of these words that Paul preached to Felix condemned him. They condemned him. As Felix was being convicted of his sin by the Word of God, he made a terrible and fateful decision. Felix made a bad choice. He sent, the Bible says that he sent Paul away and refused to take heed to that message. He told Paul that he would consider the matter again at a more convenient time. He said, I'm not ready right now, Paul, but I'll tell you what, let me think about it, and when the time is right for me, I'll get saved. That's the way he was putting it. But oh, my friend, those words that Felix just spoke to Paul, condemned him. Well, from looking at all history tells us about Felix, neither he nor his wife ever came to a more convenient season. Two years after this event happened, Felix was called back to Rome to face Nero for his brutality and harsh ways. He was discredited and removed from power. There is no indication that he ever came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to history. Matter of fact, his wife Drusilla died in the year 79 AD when Mount Vesuvius erupted and buried the city of Pompeii. It appeared that she also died in her sins and went to hell as well. What a tragedy to hear the words of the great Apostle Paul and yet die and go to hell. To hear the words of a man of God thunder the truth and thunder with love in his heart and thunder the truths of the Word of God and still yet reject those words and go to hell. What a tragedy that is. It was the words of God that convicted Felix. But friend, it was the words of Felix's own mouth that condemned him. He died lost because that was how he chose to die. You see, look up here. God's not going to force His will on you. You hear me? I say God will not force you to get saved. If He did, He wouldn't be much of a God. That's why He gives man a free choice, a free will, if you will. Amen? <laughs> a lot of people going around saying, my body, my choice, my soul, my choice. Huh? God's not going to force you to get saved, but I promise you this, honey. When you die without God, you're going to wish you had a. 
You're going to wish you had gotten born again. You're going to wish you had accepted Christ as your Savior. It may be that your heart has convicted, been convicted by the Word of God this morning. If so, then it's up to you to say yes, or it's up to you to say no. His words can confront you, and they may concern you. But in the end, it will be your words that condemn you. Yours. You see, where you spend eternity does not rest upon anything in this world. It rests upon what you do with Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, 1 John 5, 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you want to be saved today, you can be, but it's only going to happen if you come to Jesus by faith. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I thank God 26 years ago I became a whosoever. Amen. Amen. I said hallelujah. I'm glad 26 years ago I became a whosoever. Now I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that saved my soul. Amen. I think there's a song about that. I like it. Amen. The power of a few words. Uh, friend, there's an old Spanish proverb that goes like this. The road of by and by leads to the house of never. The road of by and by leads to the house of never. It's a dangerous thing, my friend, to know that you need to be saved, to be convicted by the Holy Ghost, to come to the point of decision and then put it off and say, well, when I get a better time, when I get a more convenient season, I'll do something about it. You know what you're doing, friend of mine? Look up here. You're playing Russian roulette with your soul this morning. Hey, listen, my friend, you better get saved when you know that you can, not when you think that you will. If the words I speak this morning are convicting your heart, then I would get saved. I would get saved before the service is over. And by the way, it's nothing Brother Walter's done, but it's the convicting power of the Word of God. The power of words. As I close today, let me say this. We see that these are just a few words. But oh, my friend, how powerful they really are. What will you do with Jesus this morning? Because what you decide will determine what Jesus will do with you. Let me say it again. What will you do with Jesus this morning? What you decide will determine what Jesus will do with you. Words are powerful. They can build bridges, they can tear them down. They can build walls, they can tear them down. But the most powerful words ever spoken is the Word of God. Now, before I close, imagine you're in a courtroom. We're all in a courtroom now. We are all at the great white throne judgment of God. And by the way, children of God that's been saved are not there to get judged at the great white throne judgment of God. Amen? That's for the lost. But imagine that we're all there. The lost of all the ages are gathered at the great white throne judgment, the great and the not so great. And the books are suddenly open at the great white throne judgment. 
The book of deeds are there. Every deed that lost man has ever done are recorded in those books. What would you do, friend? Listen to me. What would you do if you were standing before God and on the screen of eternity, every scene of your life, everything you've ever done, began to be flashed on that screen for the whole world to see? Would there be some scenes there that you'd scream out and say, Cut it off! I don't want nobody to see it! Cut it off! I don't want anybody to know that. So the book of deeds and it's being flashed there before the eyes of the assembled universe. Also, there's another book there. The book of life. Inscribed in that book are the names of all those who trusted Jesus as their Savior and the judge on the throne is there and all of a sudden a man walks up in front of him and the judge on the throne says, Sir, what is your name? That man looks back and says, Well, sir, my name is Felix. Are you listening? My name is Felix. Felix, I'm sorry. Your name is not here. Oh, but you know me. I, I'm the Felix of the Bible. I mean, you've read about me. I'm in the Bible. My name is Felix. I was recorded in the book of Acts. Listen, I'm the one that heard the Apostle Paul preach. And man, oh man, what a sermon he preached that night. And I fell under conviction. And it made me tremble. And I, I mean, it made me fell under conviction so bad, I shook like a leaf. I'm sorry, sir. But Felix, your name is not written in the book of life. But you don't understand. I'm ready. I know I should have done it before. But I'm ready now. I see this thing is serious. Oh, yes, sir. I repent right now. I, I trust Christ. Now. I'm sorry, sir. Your name is not written in the book of life. Oh, but you don't understand. I'm Felix. I want to be saved right now. You don't understand. I'm the one that heard Paul preach. I'm the one that heard those words being spoken. I'm ready now. Too late. Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. I never knew you. And as Felix gets ready to be cast into the lake of fire, maybe Jesus comes forward and says this, I didn't mean for you to go there. I didn't intend for you to be lost. I shed my blood so that you could be saved and enter into my heaven. But you refused. Depart from me. I never knew you. And I could, I could give you a thousand more things, but I'm done. That word cast means to throw in at full force. Friend, when the lost them before the great white throne judgment of God and the angels bind them hand and foot, they're not just going to be tossed. They're going to be phew, cast faster than a speeding bullet. Will that be you? The power of a few words. Heads bowed, eyes closed all over the house of God this morning. I'm finished. If today were the great white throne judgment and you stand before God, would your name be written in the Lamb's book of life? Friend, you may never have a more convenient season than right now. Oh, the power of a few words. Yeah, they confronted Felix. 
They convicted Felix. But in the end, it was his words that condemned Felix. Go away, Paul. I'll get saved when I feel like it. Go away, Paul. I'll get saved when I have a more convenient season. I said it before, I said it again, friend. You better get saved when you know that you can, not when you think that you will. Pastor, I'm finished. With every head bowed and eye still closed. Let me ask you this. If you're here today, there's never going to be a more convenient time. What a message. Never going to be a more convenient time for you to respond right now to God's love, to the truth that he loved you so much. He died on a cross to pay your sin debt for you so you didn't have to go to this judgment. So that you could be forgiven. So that you could receive the free gift of eternal life. If you're here today, right now, no one's looking. I'm not coming to you, calling you out, embarrassing you. If you would just be honest and say, Preacher, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I died today that heaven would be my home. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that in the room, just slip your hand up. I'll pray for you right now. Anybody like that? I'm not sure. There's not going to be a more convenient time. Get it settled today. How many of you would say it this way? Preacher, I am sure. And I'm thankful this morning that I don't have to go through that judgment because of what Jesus did for me. How many of you would raise your hand in testimony and thanks this morning and in praise? I'm certainly thankful that he made the way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. What a great message. Listen, if you're listening online, you've never bowed your head, you've never got to the place where you realized that you were a sinner separated from God. You clearly heard that just now. There is a remedy. His name is Jesus. Do what Romans 10, 9 says. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means agree with God that Jesus is Lord and I'm a sinner while you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's the gospel message. And listen to the promise. If you do that, thou shalt, done deal, thou shalt be saved. Call upon his name, get saved today. There will never be a more convenient season. Father, we thank you for the message this morning. Lord, I thank you for the messenger. Lord, it's a message that needs to be heard and proclaimed. Lord, I loved what he said. It was so true. We're living in a day where there is no fear of God anymore. There is no trembling at the fact that many will spend an eternity separated from God. God, we got the answer. Help us to be busy sharing it with folks. Help us share the wonderful, glorious gospel with those that have never heard it. Thank you for my brother today for the powerful preaching and the challenge to our hearts. Bless it, use it, Lord, in each and every life we pray. In Christ's name, amen. If you'd stand, we'll sing one song and we'll close. Brother Terrell, if you go to the back and folks can say hello and shake your hand. And Tonight, let me invite you this for Brother Hunter Sings.
Uh, I'm all about this. <laughs> he, you heard the testimony already of his son Hunter, getting, not only being saved, that was, that was a long time before, but being called to preach. And I'm all about having young preachers preach, amen. And, uh, and so I don't know how many churches are going to open their doors, but we are, amen. And, uh, and Hunter's going to preach tonight, so come listen. If nothing else, you know, we're not supposed to envy and covet stuff. I want his voice. Wait till you hear his voice. If you haven't heard him, oh, man, if I could have his voice, that would be something. But come listen to him and pray for him. That would be a real encouragement to a young preacher to come and see, see many folks coming out to encourage him and, and listen to him preach. So, so join us tonight at 630. All right. Brother Hunt, for